white supremacy. Have you seen that? I did see somebody making some connections with that. Okay, so um, similar to the way the flat earth started with, uh, like, as a troll. So what do you know about that? Okay, so uh, not a lot. Okay. Um, I was using that example because I want to believe that most people don't actually believe the flat earth. You know, that Eric Dubay guy really messed up uh, the narrative for a lot of people. Because he's the, so I thought you might have been saying he was the troll. But there's one guy out there that like has put out so much content on flat Earth. It's really mind boggling, okay. and and he is for me he is who upsets the narrative because he's somewhat articulate, but he's mm. so in depth. Like his one little documentary is like three hours long. Yeah, I think I have stumbled onto some of those YouTube videos and not made it through. But so anyway, similarly, it started out I don't know on Reddit or whatever 4chan as being like people saying that this was. I'm like, I'm afraid to even do it, honestly. I'm not even looking at that, okay. okay. Yeah, well, so you almost got I'm it. afraid for like a video to leak out of me. Doing, but, um, of, or on Twitter saying, this is white, this means white supremacy. It's a white power sign. Why, what, like, what is it? Is it the shape? Is it like when you throw up gang I'm signs? Not, like, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't. I saw that going around. And then yeah. I also saw some and teachers so, are saying it's like, it's something to do for cocaine or something. I haven't seen cocaine, but, um, the so of course like Twitterverse whatever went crazy with it and then like I there has to be dozens of pictures of me doing that oh, make yeah. like make you know because I would always try to sneak it into pictures you know like as a joke just because jokes are- like people do it at the gym all the time yeah. like somebody did one last mm-hmm. week circle game and so then it like but then the actual like Nazis on Twitter or whatever actually started doing it. So they picked up on so it. They, they stole it from be, us. Because people were saying, hey, that's this is white power. This is like whatever. Like it it's just like the internet just takes things over so fast. It and does. It, like it like most people still know it as just like the circle game. I saw some police officers got in trouble for ha- the the pictures of them. I don't like I assume it was just them playing the circle game, but um they're just like oh i, I just, think it maybe is supposed to symbolize w, wp oh maybe it i is think like that's a, what they're saying maybe it is like a w i didn't think about that yeah maybe it is like yeah i don't know i just know for my whole life that was the circle game my daughter knows it as the circle game um and now the internet has ruined this thing and i'm just like i know yeah i'm like but it's like how do you explain it to people though? Like, because people, there's other people that had no concept, like never heard of the circle game. Their first exposure to that hand gesture was, oh, that's what Nazis do. That's what modern Nazis do. That's what modern white power people do. So it's like, I don't know how to respond. Well, too, to like that. when you when I was a kid, it was like, hey, okay, man, good job. Uh, and then it became, yeah. then it became, I got dead armed if I looked at it. And yeah. So re reinvention and re recultural appropriation. Yeah, so it's just the internet it's impossible to control things on the internet cuz once it takes off um it's wildfire. Yeah, and then I know for a while I would see like on Reddit people would post the news reporting on it, like post the news saying 
so-and-so showing the white power sign, and then they would, like, film that, and then they would just start dying laughing because they were, like, it was like the trolls were saying, like, look what we created. And they, they thought it was, like, so funny that the legitimate news sources were reporting on this thing as if it were real when they had just made it up. What do you think? Uh, did you follow that Jesse Smollett thing a while back? Uh, I, um, from a distance. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of like an example of what we're talking about. Is like people have realized. Yeah, it's like he publicity stuff. He tried to harness that. Yeah. He, even if his like, he, even if his intentions were good, he like, uh, and I don't I don't really know that they were. But it's like, um, so the, maybe that's not the good, best example to use, but maybe like the Antonio Brown thing. Did you see that? No. Okay. Maybe. So, so this wide receiver for, he was really good wide receiver. He got picked up by the, he, the Steelers let him go or traded him to Oakland. He was like, I don't want to be in Oakland. Um, he just didn't want to play there or whatever, probably because they're, not, I think they not, had Jerry Ross back good. in the day. Yeah, they, they had D-Mac right, right here from Arkansas. they had Randy Moss 20 years ago. So he starts all of a sudden, like, these things start leaking out where he's just doing <clears> these <throat> lunatic things. Like, he's like, I'm not playing with this new helmet. He, like, was going to go on strike because they gave him a new helmet to play with. And then, like, all these other, like, outrageous things, outrageous things. He's, he's like, he kind of hacked the system. You know, he, like, took over the social media narrative and made himself out to be a lunatic to where Oakland finally just cut him. They're like, all right, if you don't want to play here anymore, fine. We're just – we don't want the headache. We'll let you go. Like, two days later, the New England Patriots announced that they signed him. I wonder if they were talking to him, like, the whole time. And it came out that he had consulted with a, a social media strategist <sighs> about how to just like put out this narrative that now, if he would have been wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat that whole time, it would have <laughs> it would have went over even more. We we're, we're seeing UFC people do this same same thing of like. Um, they're going to pick up on some national narrative. Uh, there's this guy named Darren Till who just just started to decided to start acting like this. Super Trumpster, yeah, and not talk, not talking down on anyone about any belief, really. Honestly, like I'm I not taking a side. Well, on it. yeah, I understand, but I feel like that's like Kanye's MAGA hat is like, yeah, it's just like, what's the craziest thing I could do right now? Bam, that's Def- it. Definitely, people this, are getting beat up yeah. in the burger place for wearing their Make America Great. Definitely this red hat. Yeah. Uh, so the internet is just it's untamable. I don't know. My daughter's 11 and. Uh, I was wanting an Instagram. We trying to like, you know, I generally am like a very like let them learn type of parent. Like just let them go out and learn how to yeah. do it. But the it just like, you know, so we're trying to figure out what does that look like? How do you, because I don't think does it's she going, have a phone? It's going, yeah, she has a phone. She Dude, I've, I can know, Corey and I are talking like more and more. Like we're like, that's probably a year out from trying to start having kids. And... When I hear about bullying going on or teen suicides locally, I mean, dude, I just like the cyber side of things right now is a very 
wild place. It and really I can is. only imagine what you're thinking if your daughter's going into teenage. Yeah, she's almost 12. This wasn't even a factor when that, we were in school. I think that is the hardest part about it because all the other aspects, whether it's like sports or activities, you know, when friends want to come spend the night and sometimes a friend gets doesn't get invited or like all those sort of dynamics, I'm like, I understand this. We can navigate. I've been through, like I know this map. Uh, but then when it's with some of the phone stuff, I'm like, I don't even understand myself. I don't know what an Instagram story is, really. Dude, you were the first friend that I had who had an Apple Watch. I was super intimidated yeah. by that. I was just like, man. Well, that's what's so crazy is like I, <clears throat> I generally am like an early adopter. I'm like, I like technology. Uh, I'm on board with things. Uh, I got the AirPods when they first came out. Everyone laughed at them. Now every set of headphones yeah, sure. looks just like that. And but still, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like I don't know how to. I don't know how to wield this thing. Well, I mean, do you? You have to remember when the internet came out, right? I remember when we got. I remember when people started getting. Yes, it. yes. Like yeah. so, mid early to mid nineties, mm-hmm. computers and web access. Yeah. I remember our computer before the internet, um, and. I remember coming home and it was like in the house. Dad had like got an old one from work or whatever. And it had a CD-ROM. So that was kind of like before the internet, you had to get like a 10-disc CD-ROM encyclopedia. And I can remember just like looking through all those like, you know, just it was just neat just to be able to control it. Yeah. Then I had Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego CD-ROM so game. So classic, man. Yeah. Uh, and just learning how to play that. And then it was like, yeah, you can connect to the internet. It was all just text-based, you know, mostly. And then I had a chat feature. Uh, ICQ chat was like the... I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And so... I'm sorry about that noise. What was that? I don't know. We'll find it after. We'll move that. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I've always felt like I was on the front edge of like downloading music, burning it on the CDs. You know, now, uh, now I rent my movies off the internet. Oh, dude, I have a digital movie collection. Yeah, it's not even. I can't even tell you last time I bought a DVD. No, I, we don't even have a DVD player. Whoa, I know. But then, still, at the same time, I'm like, how do I help my 11 year old navigate? All this. Speaking of navigation, stuff. how are you going to get somewhere without the maps on your phone? That's something that keeps mm-hmm. coming up for me. I'm like, because you, I mean, you, we were just talking about traveling before or after we started podcasting. I don't know. But how many times have you been out? And like what I mentioned those beltways in DC for is because you'd be on a beltway and there'd be like three levels to it. Right. And your GPS couldn't, my GPS couldn't calculate that, like my couldn't depth. Couldn't quite figure out where you were. And it would think that it it was just very weird. And I had more mess-ups in D.C. on my map. And it was up-to-date. My software was up-to-date, right. updates and everything. And you have, to, you have to, like, look at the big signs and everything. And But it is wild. Like, I remember when I was a kid going on, like, beach vacation. And my dad would be in the hotel sitting over at that little tiny desk, that little tiny hotel desk with these, like, full spread of maps. And he would write down a list of all the junctions, like I-40 to I-65 south, 
65 South to 20, like what? And then he would sit there and memorize it. He would memorize every junction for the day. And he would be like sitting in the car and driving, just like kind of repeating that list over and over again to himself so that he would remember where to go. And I'm like, I get in the car to go somewhere. I don't even, I don't even think about where it's. I don't even own a map. Yeah. Well, and you don't, I don't know the way to anywhere. You know, like I started to come over here for this. You text me the address. I'm like, I, I, I could not get there in 10 days if, I, if my phone didn't tell me where it was. What's so funny is like I think that's how I give directions. I'm like, get off the tech exit, 81, mm-hmm. drive this many miles, yeah. turn left at the vet clinic. Well, we like, used to do that. You know, like me and my friends would just drive to Fayetteville. No maps. No, yeah. no map GPS. Quest. Might print, yeah, you might print off the, the directions if it was somewhere you hadn't been before, but um, once I drove out to, like, Lubbock, Texas, just by myself to visit my aunt, and now I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I let my daughter do that. Yeah. So that's but, the thing, but, like, it's a great tool. Like, it's it's a great, it's great for her to have that tool. It's great for her to be able to know, like, where she is, great for her to call and say, Dad, I need help or whatever, but then it's also just like, you know, a double-edged sword. It's a dark, it is a dark side. Yeah, to, of like, it's, it's... Has she had any negative experiences yet? Just being 11, like, did somebody send her a text that upset her? Like, not anything, like, subversive or anything, but just like, what ways does it start to manifest? Um, or has it, or what ways are you looking out for it to manifest? You know, it's more just like the unknown, you know? I think that's what scares me the most, is just the, like haven't I don't have a memory of doing this as a child yeah so I don't know exactly what is suitable advice because like I said generally we are very hands-off parents like just go try it you'll probably skin your knees you'll probably mess it up a little bit don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed that you tried just go try it and then you'll learn and then as you learn you know, that's like deeper learning when you learn it on your own. And that's worked very well for us as parents. Did, did you, is that how your parents raised you? How Aaron's parents raised her? Uh, like you come that's up with this on your own? That's mostly how my parents, my, that's mostly how my parents raised me. It's just, you know, definitely some guardrails out there, but very wide. And then, you know, you just kind of... What do you think about like this? Like uh, we see, uh, not to get into poll too many controversial things, but you see uh, like an increase in rules directly correlated a lot of times. People like to make the argument is like, hey, these more rules led to there being more crime over here, whether that's uh, gun control or whatever it is. Do you think that's the same thing for parenting? I don't know. That would be outside of my Like, I mean, like, okay, so. What do you mean like as a society? Well, like the the stereotype of like, yeah, you know how pastors kids are, or what you know. I so like the super uh, strict okay. household leading to more rebellion. Okay, is so basically what I'm saying. I can say having gone to Bible college, which would be like the end of that funnel, past yeah. pastors kids. I was th- there wasn't all pastors kids there, but definitely a higher concentration than normal. The kids who had the most strict, most narrow upbringing had not 
grown the muscle in their brain that makes good decisions because they had never exercised that muscle. All those decisions were made for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we, they, you know, got to Bible college at the same time I did. And Bible college is not a wild place. How long did you have? Four years? Four full years. And they completely, without those parameters telling what to do all the time, just went crazy. They would like, they went to, you know, they'd be going to every um, fraternity party they could get into. Like they just, those were the kids that fell off the deep end the fastest because they didn't know how, they didn't practice making decisions when the stakes were really low. So that's kind of, that's, that's how I, you know, uh, here, here's an example that I, that drives me crazy. Like you see people say to their daughters, well, my daughter's not going to have a boyfriend, no, 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 you know. And like, if you extrapolate that out to it's in conclusion, it was like, for how long, for how long do you want her to not have a partner? Like you want her to be unhappy and lonely for her life. Maybe that's, maybe she chooses to be by herself later on in life, but like you're hoping for her to never have a partner in her life. That doesn't make sense. But what happens is you see young ladies that are like discouraged from that aspect of their life. They're, they're taught to think that it's bad or that it's like something they need to hide. You follow me? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, horrible situation to to live under. Right, and so all those things it like builds in their mind of like, um, it becomes something they have to like rebel. They have to like prove that they're going to be independent about it, or like in the best case, they just get to when they're finally eighteen, twenty, and they start having real relationships, and they don't know how to do it. They don't know the grammar of sharing your day with someone you care about. They don't know like the grammar of a relationship in the aspect of like, Hey, you have like all your friends and maybe you'll just tell them you had a good day. Cause you don't want to burden them with that. But for your partner, like you have to be honest with your partner all the time. And so <laughs> since they didn't practice doing that, when they were younger and the stakes were really low, you know, like when they're 12, 13, like there's really not a lot they can mess up as far as like a relationship most of the time, but they get to practice it. You know what I mean? They get to yeah, that social, that's like me growing up because I was homeschooled till eighth grade. Mm-hmm. That like the, exactly what you're talking about was what I was trying to get out of the system. Basically I was like, I was realizing my deficiencies even at that age in needing to go socialize outside of like, I mean, so I was homeschooled and then I went to church on Sunday and Wednesday and maybe I went to the pool and the city pool in the summers and stuff. And I had friends and everything, but they were plugged into school Mm -hmm. and it was just like a whole different world, you know, hanging out with kids that were going to school or going to church with them or whatever. And I wasn't, and like I realized real quickly, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm missing out on mm-hmm. something. So, that being education, but also a social education. So right, right. And so what? You, when? What age did you come into public school? Uh, I I came I came to eighth grade. So when I started coming, 
you were going into 10th grade because that's where I, you were one of the first people I met because me and Anthony Flurry would uh, going into eighth grade, like the whole summer, we'd ride our bikes to the field house because my parents didn't live okay. very far from the that's field where house. I, okay, that's where I remember. Yeah, so I think you adjust so well, though. I think so. Yeah. I think so. There, but the, what you're talking about is like, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. So I made a lot of really uh, weird social choices, I guess, <laughs> growing up that... I think if I would have had that elementary school education and mm-hmm. like, like clearly the whole Harry Potter is evil and going to ruin my entire existence right. argument did not work, <laughs> you know, but I was one of those kids. It's like Harry Potter's evil. Uh, we don't watch Casper the Friendly Ghost. Like it, magic is bad. Yeah. And, but I think that honestly getting into the social situation that you're talking about is what allowed me to grow up, get a master's degree, be a business owner, or college professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just so hard as a parent because you want to, you do have an instinct to protect your kid from everything. Just, hey, I'll keep you from that danger. I'll keep you from that heartache. I'll keep you from that frustration. But you're... I think that's why my parents homeschooled me. Well, is out of that yeah, paranoia. That, that's a natural, you know, that's a natural response. It's a natural instinct that you have. And that's like, you know, when your kid reaches up to touch the boiling eggs, that's your instinct. That's a good instinct. But your purpose, your function as a parent is ultimately not to protect them from the world. Your function as a parent is to prepare them yeah. to go out into the world as a grown adult human, you know, that can go to the bank and talk to do taxes. Yeah. Do just like interact with people, you know, interact with people in slightly difficult situations. Hey, uh, I think I was in line in front of you. No, I was definitely in line in front. You know what I mean? Like that's a minor social interaction where now the kid, now the person has to practice. Like, do I care if I have to wait one more line spot in line? Probably not. Do, is it, you know, like, there's all these variables of interpersonal relationships and interactions that you just have to learn by doing like, Hey, that's my locker. Oh, well I'm talking to my friend. It's like, well, I can't get into my locker. Okay. This is a mild confrontation. How do I deal with it? And they might mess that up. Maybe they'll overreact. Maybe they'll spend their whole semester being late for class because they don't have the gumption to say, can I please get to my locker? But over the course of that semester, they'll develop, they'll learn what's what's the proper way that I want to handle that type of situation. And it's just hard to, you can tell your kids stuff all day long, but they mostly just kind of catch. They mostly just like learn by experience. Do you think this, okay, so with the digital age, uh, the ability to be passive aggressive is like through the roof. Like, so if you can't get into your locker, do you just shoot them a, a Facebook message or something and be like, "Hey, little Johnny, right? Or you what, need to get out of my lo- out of my would, way." Well, what you would do is you would post, "I can't stand it when people block other mm. people's lock." You wouldn't call them by name. That's uh, what that's what you would do. Well, you notice how like as adults, I think I, I mean this may be just me, but mm-hmm. I don't think it is. As as adults at this time period with the same topic, I um I find myself texting 
a lot of times to avoid having a face to face difficult conversation. Yeah. You know, or um, just some sort of digital communication versus like, that's why I like the podcasting too. Like, just the ability, like, how often do people do this right here? I know. And it is, and people are very intimidated by having to like call the pizza place. They're like, no, I'll use the app or yeah, whatever. Walmart pickup. Wal- yeah. Um, and we, we make it a point to make our children order their own food at restaurants because it's like, they don't want to, especially when they're like little, they're kind of intimidated. They don't quite know what to say. Um, but it's like, Hey, this is, you just have to learn this skill. Like maybe they won't even need that skill in 20 years. I don't, I don't know, but I, I think, I think they'll have an advantage even if they don't need that skill as much as I need that skill, if they can do it when they need to. It'll definitely be it. I mean, let's just go ahead and say that those skills are also leadership skills. Right. I think all those things tie in to where it's just like an, another tool in the toolkit of just to living life, like functioning as a grown-up. And sometimes... Um, Sometimes emails get confusing. Sometimes um, group checks, texts get confusing, and sometimes you just need to say, "Hey, can we can we step in your office for a second? I just need to I need to get clarification on this." And if we'll just have a ninety second face to face conversation on it, it'll clear it up. And if you'll just be a grown up about it, and I'll be a grown up about it, we can solve this problem. And a lot of times in texting and emails, you just go round and round and round that sort of thing. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is is tone because, like, with, like, the 90-second conversation, like, I, you can't, like, body language, tone. Like, you could say something in the right tone and it come across in, like, it could even be kind of aggressive, but it comes across like you see that and person's see, motives right. of, exactly. like, man, this isn't something you're trying to be that way about. Mm-hmm. And I've had those very real conversations with people before and, like, had been dreading them going in or whatever, and then you get there and you realize, like, oh, I kind of right. feel bad. That's just a person. Yeah. It's just a person doing their best in a difficult situation. But I, unless you're a really talented wordsmith, it's it's hard to always do that in writing. And, and so I think online communications tends toward extremes of, like, extremely aggressive or, like, extremely nice, maybe when that's not exactly what's going to solve the problem. And it's hard to be down the middle like you can in person. Like in person, it's you can be firm and nice at the same time. It's harder to do that through an email because yeah. it's always kind of read. You can't control them reading it. Well, what's crazy is like I just did this the other day. I, I sent a, some college students sent me an email, and they're like, oh, I just totally let you down and didn't do the stuff you said, and I need your help, and – I didn't do. I messed up this part of the exam. Like I didn't get it turned in on time. Like whatever the excuse was, and it was reasonable. So, but I sent him like a facepalm emoji. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I cleared your attempt. Go back in there and do it right now. Mm-hmm. But it's like I was kind of like, okay, I'm gonna come down to their level. But I do feel like it's so like when I send work emails, there's like this level of professionalism and proofreading. Right. 
But then there's also like some sort of weird hierarchy where I will like try and come down to my students' level and communication. I don't and proofread. Just, I don't feel bad. Right. They get what I'm saying. They're, yes. They, they communicate with me on a subpar level. Well, I think emojis and GIFs fill that gap kind of because it's like I don't really know what to type exactly. But if I send the, you know, like the Nick Young, like the, I guess uh, the confused face, I forget his audio. But like, or the the kid at the computer, you know, like thumbs up kid computer, like the, oh, good job. You know that GIF I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah. That communicates exactly Did you see the GIF reaction. that was talking about it being a GIF? I really don't have a side on this, but he's like, let, let me get some J. He, he kept pronouncing words with, right. the, with a J There's or G. There's hundreds of words with soft and hard G. Exactly. So you could do but you could examples. You could argue either way. My only piece of evidence for that argument is that the man that created it, he came out and says said, Jeff. Man, so what I don't. If that was his favorite peanut butter. Maybe so, but I think it's the regional dialect. You know, it's like tomato, tomato. Yeah, for sure. Linguistics, man. Yeah. Uh, so, have you been? If you still, so you're doing, you're doing photography. You're, you're a cinematographer now. Yeah. Um, it's a great day job. Are you still writing? I finished my book. Dude, okay, all I, right, I, dude. I, you had a you had a great not, expression on your face when you said that. I finished it. It. I got to the end of it. It's not finished. Like it's not printable. It's in revision. Yes, but I got to the end of it. I can't even describe the feeling of it. It's just like the elation. The the the. It lasted like three days. I just couldn't stop smiling. I yeah. was just like, it's a con- man. That's a big goal. Right. I, like I've I've been, I've wanted to write a book for like ten years now, mm-hmm. and I I like I wrote my master's thesis. I was going to say pages. you thesis. Uh, but like I mean the, the the overarching goal is to go turn a chapter of that thesis into a book, or mm-hmm. turn the thesis into a book, or write a book about widespread panic, or yeah, um, it, you know. And I just haven't done it, but. Like when I got my history job, like I remember I was sitting watching Widespread Panic in Mud Island, and it was this really weird feeling. I talk to people about it all the time because I'm kind of coming out of it because I got all these other goals and stuff we were talking about earlier with the new gym. But it's like, it was that, like what you're saying, this ultimate feeling of satisfaction. It's like, okay, I graduated college, I got a master's degree, I have a super successful business, I'm sitting here leisurely watching my favorite band. I feel great. I'm having an awesome time. I start teaching college when I get back full time. I've accomplished every goal I have in life. Like like that feeling right there. But then after that, like three days after that, I was like, uh, what do I do now? Right. Like, yeah. what do I do? Like I was like and I was doing the podcast. So then it kinda like I kinda downturned on the podcast for a few months because I was working and like they had me teaching six classes at a time last year. It's like my first two semesters, I taught overloads. Wow. So I'm teaching five this semester and next semester, which is like, that's six hours less time on campus. Okay. So, like, if, if you teach a class, I have to be in my office the same amount of time that day is how they do it, right? So if I teach three hours of class, I got to be in my office three hours. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. So, um, but, you know, it's just like, it's just find a, a way to balance everything out. And then it's like, well, what do I do now? Like, is it, are we going to do a new gym? We're growing. Like, right. what, what are the next set of um, long-term goals look like? But, dude, a, did you feel that, like, when you finished your book? Did you hit a, lo- a self-loathing point? Nah, no, not when I finished it. I still haven't gone through that. I hit the self-loathing 
over the summer. I've been working on it for not quite a year. And I still had like the last third of it to get to. And I just felt like, <coughs> wow, maybe I, maybe I can't do that. Like maybe this is so a bigger bad. thing. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out the ending. Like I just, I had written so much and then I was like, I don't know how to make this make sense as a whole story at the end. So the, what I've done is pointless. I've wasted all that time. Were you watching Game of Thrones season eight while you were? No, I didn't. I I watched Game of Thrones, but I uh, familiar with that meme, so I understand that the the horse. Are you talking about the horse meme? Because that's the best one. So similarly, I felt just like, why did I? Why have I written all this? It doesn't, and it's not even, it's not even Game of Thrones interesting. Like, is it a fiction work? Yeah, it's fiction. It's just like a simple, plain, modern day fiction. Um, it's called Two Abandoned Sandals on the Beach. It's just about a family beach to the vacation. Family vacation to the beach. Somebody ends up missing while they're on vacation. And then you kind of like starts unraveling of who knew who and who knew why and all this stuff. So it's just like a very plain book. And I'm like, it it has to be a full book. Like, And my friend... Eli Craner was like yeah, he came on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That was actually dude, one of my favorite podcasts because he's, he's, he's just so great. He he. It, what we talked about was his writing strategies. Yeah, which I've like noted in my head and, and yeah. remarked on several times since. Right, and so he was like, you know, based on his encouragement, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna sit down to write for 30 minutes every day, no matter what. And it's just like any other discipline. Um, you, I had to stay in because what would happen is I would. Write for like three or four days, get discouraged, take like eight days off. Then when I sat back down again, I'm like, okay, where's the story? What chapter is this? How does this tie together? Like I couldn't hold all of these strands in my mind at one time. So I would sit down for 30 minutes a day. I might only write 50 words, 60 words some days. What do you think about word quotas? Well, they're good, especially starting out early on when you still have like 90,000 words to go. But well, when, and you, I'm sure you go over quota a lot, yeah. too. You get on an inspiration. Yeah. And so, but I found that just writing for an amount of time was better because keeping the, keeping the story in front of me every day, finally, after like eight or ten days, I was able to think about enough things at one time uh, for a sustained amount of time. Then all of a sudden, I would go way over a thousand words, 1,500 words. And I just like plowed through the ending, got to the ending. I felt the, and so now I'm going back through and making it. Now that I know how it ends, going back through. How hard was it to come up with an ending, man? Like I hear a lot of like the It 2 movie, which is a big waste of two hours and 50 minutes. Is it not good? I haven't seen either It, but Stephen King's my favorite author. Well, I was about to say during all this, did you think about maybe smoking cigarettes during this whole process? (laughs) I I do love Stephen (laughs) King. I know he was an alcoholic early on in his career, but. Have you heard what he said about nicotine though? No. Okay, so does he still smoke? And I could, I, 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 drink I don't a lot think, of caffeine. I don't think that he does. But what he was saying is that he experienced some of the worst writer's block that he had ever went through. He had never even really experienced writer's block until he stopped smoking cigarettes. And I've heard a lot of people say, like nicotine gum, for example. They mm-hmm. say will get you like interesting amped. So like. 
when and why did um, cigarettes become demonized? But we're okay with the act of smoking because cannabis is legal in 24 states. You know, but that but, is a strange. Yeah, that is a strange contradiction. I wonder if it actually makes you more productive, and they started start it gets conspiratorial. They started started putting poisons and carcinogens in it, right? Or that's just a smear campaign because it makes you high functioning. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know all that history, uh, but I know. Yeah, should we smoke cigarettes? That's that's, that's all. A hard that's all no. I want to know. I think that's a no. They do smell es- bad, especially. I. I yeah, I think the cigarette companies got greedy because they were set up to last forever, and they weren't happy with people smoking like two packs a day. They had to like force people to well, smoke like uh, a carton a day. Think about the tobacco industry. I don't know anything about this, but other than like, but like, it went from being a cash crop in which we were willing to enslave white people for seven years, or go way out of our way to go get Africans, right. march them six months over land. The whole transatlantic voyage that we were like, yeah, we'll just go enslave other human beings so we can get this back to Europe. And it's like it it went from that to having a skull and crossbones on it. Yeah. That's fascinating to yeah, see the demonization se- of it. It does seem like they kind of botched it. I mean, I, obviously all the lung cancer... What if but that it does from, seem like what people, if that was from like pollution in the ozone and they were telling know. us it was cigarettes and big misdirection? Yeah, I don't Main know. Switch. Me either. It is crazy how demonized it is, and then it seems like everyone's fine with uh, legal marijuana now. I know that's a, it's a like, blaring contradiction yeah. because it's like I'm I'm honestly confused on whether or not smoking is bad because mm-hmm. they're telling you that smoking is medicine now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, I feel like I got way off topic from something. Oh, where oh my we? book. Oh, yes. Yeah. So where, uh, oh, yes, Smoking Cigarettes for Inspiration, Stephen King. You mentioned So Stephen I don't King. know how I got... I don't... Uh, speaking of Stephen King, I don't think of it as coming up with an ending as much as um, finding what the ending is. So I just couldn't think of all the different plot points long enough to understand what the natural conclusion was. So then when I finally got to it, I was like, like I heard, uh, I think I saw a director say the other day, a movie director say, I don't always know what I want, but I always know what I don't want. And so I would be sitting trying to write saying, no, that's not it. Like I would even, I would even like write a whole chapter and be like, that's just not it. That's not, that's not what's supposed. What's your average to, chapter that's not length? Like, but dozen pages, a thousand and fifteen hundred words. Okay, so I don't know how that compares to anyone's average. Mm, that's um, probably like what, like fifteen paragraphs. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then some will be really short, like four or five hundred words, just like. Um, my favorite kind of chapters. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm straight audiobook these days. Like audiobooks. if I can't get an audiobook and you know what's crazy, man, is because that was never an option till I was an adult, really. Right. I didn't get that that's actually that's how I flourish. Like mm-hmm. I, I I I read every day, but it's it's about seven to ten pages. Mm-hmm. And that's then it's done. Like I can't I can't read anymore in that US history book for today. Like it's weird. Yeah. So like those are my like I just read I started reading a twenty page chapter today. That's another great uh, benefit of the smartphone revolution. 
Yeah. It's so hard to carry audio books around. Like you have CDs in your car, maybe. You use Audible? And I I have Audible and I use Libby, which is like the library app. Yes, yes. Um, I also have um, Libro. Uh, what was that? Livervox or something like that? I Libervox. have a couple. Um, Walmart has one. Uh, but I haven't read actually or listened to as much this year because I've been trying to spend my extra time writing. So I read, I think, 60 books last year, and I'll probably only get to 40 this year. Are you doing... A, uh, but I probably do two-thirds audiobook. We talked about your website for uh, the photography business. Are you doing anything mm-hmm. to market yourself as an author right now? Like, do you have a website for that or blogging? I have a website. I have a Twitter, which a lot of writers are on Twitter, but... Every time I find a new author and I'm like, oh, I love this person so much, I go check and they don't they don't Twitter. So it generally feels like a waste of time. I don't feel satisfied when I finish it. I don't know why I keep doing it other than just kind of like the general social pressure of, oh, you, you make art with words? Guess you better be on Twitter. But I don't, I don't, I don't think... I don't think Twitter is promotes idea sharing. I think it promotes social justice, idea confirmation. So people that already have the same ideas cluster up and just shout down anybody else that doesn't agree with them. Yeah. And it's like that in it's like that in writer land, Twitter writer land, where it's like something will go around about, oh, second person is the worst. I hate reading narrative in second person. And I'm like, why? Like, maybe you read one bad story in second person. That doesn't mean it's inherently wrong or hard to read. So then people completely dismiss books and stories that are written in second person just because... And they'll never get that. Yeah, yeah, they won't. They miss out on experiencing it because they have this idea because someone on Twitter said don't. Don't you're not supposed to like second person. And I think people they it it also it you know, making art is a vulnerable thing and you do feel like you need a lot of affirmation. You know, that's why I send my stories to like my high school English teachers, because they just say, Oh Josh, you're so great. Awesome job. And I'm like, all right, that makes me feel so good. So I understand the need for that, but then I think that becomes like an addiction on Twitter with these writers. Did and, you have and, Nancy Coslett? And no, I had, uh, her name was Miss Martin at the time. Her okay. Yeah. I, I never got to have her, but Miss Coslett was coming in, I think when mm-hmm. you were a senior and she was amazing. Okay. She had a PhD. Yeah. So all three of my high school English teachers, I still send all my writing to. So like, I understand that desire for attaboys and affirmation, but there's no, like on Twitter, it's just like, I wrote this piece and, my friend published it in her online blog magazine. Oh, great job. You're so awesome. You're so good. You got a hyperlink to share now. Yep. <laughs> and so, like, I do think the best writing rises to the top still. And so they kind of, like, created this whole other world for themselves to, like, self-publish and 
self-share and self-promote within themselves, even though like nobody outside of that universe is reading this literature. So like, I don't know how, like, I don't know how significant it is. Yeah. You know, cause like ultimately you writing a story, you want people to understand it and like understand what you're trying to say, understand what you're trying to get at. You know, like my book is a lot about the church and it's a lot about um, mental health. And I want people to understand these two aspects and how the church has kind of botched a lot of mental health care. And what do you mean? Like, do you care to elaborate on just that? Just in the name of like, well, you just you just need to have faith, brother. You, you just need to trust the God of the universe. And it's like, it's okay to like believe in Jesus and, and need help and like get some like professional help working through difficult issues in your brain and your, in your past, you know? And so, um, I think that, uh, unfortunately shame becomes a big part of Jesus's grace. And, people feel ashamed to like admit that they're getting help. And a lot of times they just don't because they don't want to be seen as being unfaithful or as having like, uh, being like weak spiritually or whatever. And a lot of it's not really formalized though. There is like an extreme interpretive, you know, there's like a, a, there's always an extreme group that actively says don't, don't see a psychologist, but it's more like in the gray area where people are just kind of unsure. People are kind of like, like they, even with things like trauma, mm-hmm. like let's say you right. had somebody that was a victim of sexual assault or uh, they were OS yeah. when they were a child or right. anything like that. Like there's like, do you, or do, do you think that's uh, something that a lot of Protestant churches are being that way? Is that in Catholicism as well? Do you know? I can't speak for Catholicism. I do think a lot of Protestant churches still have a big stigma around it. This is a sidebar. I've just been struggling with this a lot. Like, where are you at on how the church deals with things? Like, uh, this, there's two schools of thought on uh, gay people, for example. Mm-hmm. You were born that way, or you're choosing to be that way, and you should not make that choice because that choice is against God's way. It kind of seems like uh, there's, I, I don't, what's uh, homophobia is not the word, but a lot of Christians are like, yeah, that's a mistake. We don't accept that. It's a sin. Right. And I, I, most difficult question in all right. Christianity probably right now. So I can't speak for someone that says, I feel like I was born this way. Because you, you don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. I know how I feel about sex, my sexuality. I know that it feels very inherent in my psyche, you know? Um, and so if someone tells me that's what they feel, they're, a, you know, a grown-up, and then I don't really have any other... I. I don't really have any choice but to believe them. 
You know what I mean? I don't know how else to put it other than... Dan Aykroyd just said that about a whole bunch of people on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's like, Joe, why would we question these people about this paranormal activity and Bigfoot and all this? Okay, well... <laughs> but, but I mean, no, I mean, seriously, okay, so on, on, on... For Bigfoot, I would think there would be some evidence if there was a single human-like animal. I don't know. Maybe not. He's the world's smartest creature if he's staying hidden for sure for sure but there's not like a you know it's not like the inside of a car or something where you can like open up the hood and say oh well this one is actually turbocharged see See these two chromas yeah you can see it because there's the turbocharger so it's like Mm -hmm. that's what they say i don't i don't care i don't care i mean so i guess basically here's another way to think about it and just ways i've thought about it is like I don't understand why Christianity is concerned with what sexual and biological choice people are making. Yeah, that is an interesting fascination, and it's it's also funny because there's so much of the Old Testament that is like Hebrew scripture. You know, it's Jewish scripture, not necessarily even Christian scripture, yes. even though it is kind of sold, it's like packaged as one. I just went over the Hebrews and said one. So okay, so a lot of Protestants claim the Hebrew Scripture as their own. Okay, so that's a whole other discussion. But assuming that they are inspired by that or whatever, they see that as part of their Holy Scripture. Which again, they're also consenting adults. They can they can believe whatever they want to believe too. But there's so much of it that is completely ignored that, like, most, most Protestant Christians don't have a problem eating shrimp. Yeah, they don't the have dietary. A, they don't have a problem eating bacon. Most of them don't keep a 10-foot fence on the roof of their house. What do you think of this circumcision thing, man? Um... Yeah, I think I don't know how common that is. Still, it seems like it's still pretty common. Somebody tricked my parents into cutting my penis off, dude. Well, like that's I don't understand. Like, I, other than like the the story in the Bible, I'm like, why? Where's this come from? Yeah, and I don't. I and don't, anybody can just cut their penis off, and then they're in yeah, the club. So th- those are two interesting examples, and but it's funny because you're not Jewish. Right? No. I, if I could choose, I would probably go Judaism, man. Have you ever... Do you know any Messianic Jews? I know some Messianic yeah. Jews here locally. They're, I think they're great that, people. I think that's maybe the most philosophically consistent belief system based on the Bible, um, what we call the Holy Bible. Nazarenes, I, I haven't looked a whole ton into them. Uh, somebody you mentioned last time we hung out, Jordan Mays, he was raised a Nazarene. I didn't know that. Uh, I remember when we were growing up, um, he was church of Nazarene because I like, went to vacation Bible school, and uh, mm-hmm. like that's when we first met each other, and he was church of Nazarene, and we Those ended up being good friends. times, VBS. It, yeah, dude, it was... Uh, well, you went, to, you went to what, East Mount Zion? I was First Baptist and then Stillwell. Okay, still well, still well. Yeah, yeah. Same road. Right, yeah. Much earlier on in the in the road. Uh-huh. Clark, so. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, see, I went to First Baptist Church Bible School. That was the Bible school to go to when you were a kid, man. Mm-hmm. One time, Leslie Miller pushed me over in Vacation Bible School. Did, how'd you, how did you respond to that difficult 
you interpersonal know, uh, you know, situation. I was homeschooled, so I didn't have very many social skills <laughs> at that particular time. <laughs> I, well, I mean, like what you like, I didn't get it. I was like, why did this attractive female push right. me over? Like, yeah. I was just like, I would love nothing more than to be her friend. But uh-huh. she's, it was this funny thing. And like, so I ended up like, I went and I like basically asked whoever our teacher was or whatever. I was like, why did you push me over? And she's like, oh, I don't know. We made up. That's all I remember. But yeah. that was one of, like, that would have been one of my first uh, mm-hmm. social confrontations outside of, like, with a cousin or something. Yeah. Because I would have been probably seven years old. Okay. Something like that. Maybe eight. So. But yeah, I think you're right. Those are two interesting examples. And I don't know exactly what the historical accidents are that make those the two two parts of the Jewish law yeah it's that modern Christians feel obligated it's interesting what the uh, I've just recently uh, not to get down this uh, rabbit hole do you need another water man I'll go get you one I think I'm okay right now okay cool let me know if you change your mind I'm about to get a fridge in here so I don't even have to excellent but um, yeah it's it's weird how people cherry pick but have you ever heard of Sam Harris no he has been working on this project for a while that highlights all of the contradictions in between the, like, it could be Old Testament book to Old Testament book, or it could be Old Testament book to New Testament New book. Testament. So, like, what you were saying about weaving all the plot lines back together, mm-hmm. he, like, r- found all the places that people yeah, did not weave And I think together. that's, it is a hard thing to do, you know, and I think that, I think most people's intentions are good. And I think they are just trying to do the best they can with the information they have. But it's, that's, how long did you say he's been working on that project? Uh, a few years. Years. To, yes. So most people. And it's to prove atheism, which I don't, well, which I don't buy into. Okay, actually. well, whatever. But yeah, but like, most people have to be at work. They have to get their kids to ball games. They have to, buy their family Christmas presents. Like, most people don't have the time to do that for three years to notice, oh, this thing, contra- this there's a contradiction here. This isn't, you know what I mean? It's just like, somebody told me this one part and it made me feel happy and I like that. And they don't really give it any more thought than that. You know what I mean? And so I do feel like kind of like having left church world do you still go do you still go to services yeah uh, but like prof- like the industry professional christianity Profi- yeah having left um where i'm like i can be sympathetic to people who are critical of organized church because i'm like hey i know i was in the middle of it but i wasn't all- like that i went to church 19 years played mm-hmm. in the praise and worship band yeah. and then i was just like yeah. i'm out going to philosophy school so I can understand the like the the basic I can understand the criticism. But then also I it like I feel like sometimes it's not reasonable. And I feel like it's it's uh unfair. And so but I also am like I'm like in the middle because I, I feel like I, I'm telling like these people, um, you're being too critical and you're being critical of things that don't matter. And then I feel like I'm telling these people 
Well, I think if you would just stop to think about that for just a little bit longer, you would realize um, the Bible doesn't actually say that. The Bible doesn't actually expect that of you in 2019. And so, like, instead of being, like, a friend to both sides, I feel like I end up just becoming an enemy to both sides because, like we talked about earlier, of social media and the the uh, tendency towards extremes and the tendency to, uh, like, clump up into clans, like, they're like, oh, well, you're not in our club. Now, if you believe that, then you're not in our club. I only know of one other club. It's the opposite club, so you must be one of them. But then over here in this group, they're like, oh, you're one of them? And so I'm like, no, I'm just trying to tell both of you, like, um, I like you're, you're not... You're, you're a centrist. Well... In, in a sense of yeah. how, like, because, I mean, dude, Joe Rogan gets continual, it's just, this is going on in, in politics right now. It's like, you're a, a, a leftist libtard, mm-hmm. or you're a Trumpster, or, or yeah, whatever, those, the, the Antifa. Those are the only ideas that get attention, those are the only ideas that get attention and traction. Extreme and, polar and the way, opposites. The way the algorithms are based, it has to be, like, unique and kind of hyper to get attention, and so that's people that's what people post and then and then some people without even like realizing like oh well i want to get attention too like they just kind of lean farther that direction and so that's uh that's my biggest current dilemma i try to write my book in that space where it's like it's like critical of um the church's handling of mental health issues, but also pe- like just society in general, like hasn't quite figured it out. You know, like we send these guys off um, in the army and then uh, they come back and like no one cares about their mental health. And um, it's kind of a similar thing. And I, I can't speak to that at all, but I, I feel like there is kind of an aspect of like, well, you should be tough enough to deal with that. It's that um, I wonder how much the modernization of warfare, because really, I mean, that wasn't talked about till World War Two. You remember uh, a famous actor that uh, he had like we would have seen him on TV when we were kids, but he would have already been dead. His name was um, Audie Murphy. Famous actor. He was in a lot of westerns. He was in a couple of World War Two films. Um, he was in a Western called the Texan. He was kind of like, it was like for him when I was growing up watching Westerns, it was John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, of course. Mm -hmm. And then it was also him and then like Randolph Scott. What's his name? Audie Murphy. I don't know it. I probably would recognize him if I saw his face. He served, he legit served in, um, World War II and he came back and he had all of these mental health issues and he was famous. So everybody took an interest and found out about him having uh, these mental health issues. So it be, that is one of the things that when you get to study in post-traumatic stress comes up is a, uh, a case study of us becoming aware as a society about mm-hmm. kind of what you're talking like, hey, you just dealt with this horrible experience. Like we don't really get that in the narrative post-Civil War. Mm-hmm. We get that in the narrative post World War II, post Vietnam, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I see if I can find a good photo of him. Like I remember watching this dude on my grandpa's uh, TV growing up. That's him, and it's a black and white photo. Hmm. Dr- dressed much like I feel like you would wear the same. Uh, yeah, outfit. That's, a, that's a good looking haircut. Yeah, dude, I don't even know. Like you got some volume going on today. Plus, you had a hat on. I finally found a barber that I love. Who are you seeing? His name's Carlos in Clarksville. Okay, because uh, a friend, a guy who graduated high school, we just started being a barber in Clarksville. Oh, really? Daniel Frias. Okay, I don't know him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where he's, he's cutting hair or anything. Okay, yeah. well, I had Bridget, who was like an angel to me, like sent from heaven that cut my hair perfectly, knew exactly how I wanted to do. I would come home from college so she could cut my hair. I every When I lived like out in New England... Every time I sat down in a chair, I would say, just so you know, there's a woman named Bridget who's a master at cutting my hair. You're probably not going to live up to her, but I just want you to know how high the standards are. Yeah. So Is, isn't it wild we still call it New England? Yeah. We don't call, yeah. we don't call uh, New York New Netherland. We don't call, I was thinking about this other day, we do still call that area New England. But we don't call St. Augustine, Florida, New Spain. We don't call California New True. Spain. Uh, it, it's fascinating. I wonder why that one stuck. I don't know. I, well, uh, just geographic and U.S. history. Uh, we organized the colonies into three groups. Mm-hmm. I remember that from when you were a kid. But um, Chesapeake, New okay. England, and Mid Atlantic. Okay, so I do three. remember that when you say them. Yeah, yeah. It's also very small. Like yeah. it, it's like the size of one normal state, all of New England. Yeah, yeah. The um, I was teaching. I just went recently went on a big American Revolution rabbit hole, dude. Like really the first time. Revolution. Ever, uh, American Revolution. Yeah. I needed. I've done. I did a big Civil War stint last See, year. I, that'll probably be what. And I, uh, yeah, I always feel like I need to go back. What did it, were some good sources you looked at? If you did, you watch any good documentaries? Um, I read a biography called Team of Rivals. Okay. Uh, which is about Lincoln and his cabinet. Excellent, incredible documentary or uh, biography. I did, uh, Audible used to have like classes, the, the great courses. Yeah. So I did a great course on the Civil War. So it's probably, probably 35 lectures. I don't know, nice. ballparking that. I like that. I love that. Love format. that. One of my textbooks has a forty-five lecture mm-hmm. series that covers the whole book. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and so then I did a. I think I did. I did two other biographies, maybe a General Sherman. Um, I'd have to look on my Goodreads. But. The Civil War is something I, I'll actually say embarrassingly. Um, I have not got through the Civil War in either of the U.S. history ones I've taught so far. The colonial America will bog you down. I bet. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it almost it could be like its own class. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like I teach at a community college, so we don't have upper level courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. A, yeah. I started watching Community with my daughter. Community, what's that? The TV show. I haven't seen it. You need to watch it. Yeah, I, you know, Corey and I just got Sling TV somewhere okay. recently. Um, are you familiar with that? Uh, yeah, I've they had have a it, channel package. I had it on. It's it's on like um, Hulu. Okay, so it's we been got, off we the air some, for several years. Yeah, so. yeah. no problem. Um, I I've started an experiment with my HBO login to see how many people can have it. 
Yeah. Oh man. I actually we can't. We after uh, Game of Thrones ended, we turned it off. I've you been not watching temp- Barry. No, but you know, I watched like the first episode, and my friend Chris Hausnick, he's just on the podcast like a week ago. He's a political scientist. He um, he loves it. He keeps. He's like, dude, you got to take another best. Yeah. Well, then uh, have you seen Vice Principles? Uh, I saw like the first two seasons of it. Yeah, that same. Yeah. I, I, I think a third season just mm-hmm. came out or is coming out. Well, he also has a new show called The Righteous Gemstones, and it's Danny about McBride. like a mega church. Yeah, it's like about a mega church pastor. And I was so excited for it because I'm like, this is like that space I'm trying to write in. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't, it's a funny show. It doesn't really seem to understand that world though. Like I feel, you know, like when people say like, hey, you can't write about cultures that you don't understand. And I was always like, hey, I can write about whoever I want. But then I start watching the show and I'm like, nah, they're not really getting it. They don't really understand, like, they don't understand the dynamics of a church staff. They don't, uh, they're not getting the dynamics of being. Dude, in, when are you applying to be a, a writer on this show is my I, next question. I would, I would love to do that. I mean, I never worked at a church that big um, uh, or even really quite that conservative. But, um, yeah, I do feel, like, conflicted because I really wanted something good in that space and it is funny like that guy's just funny he is he's just, have yeah. you ever seen the foot fist way Mm-mm. they do he spoofs a taekwondo martial oh, arts school yeah owner. i could see that would be and hilarious. it's hilarious i mean they hit that like what you're saying with like what we might have missed on church mm-hmm. life they hit the nail got it in traditional martial arts on every possible yeah. head man it was well i think it's just it's odd because it is it, it it's just he's funny they're all funny and of course, you know, it's HBO's so production value is very high, but it just doesn't quite understand the sincerity of these people that have wrong conclusions. Yeah, like how much how how much they hold how to much, those convictions. Yes. And it's like if it's like I, I understand you don't believe what they believe but if you did don't you think you would act similarly like if you did believe that you know what i mean so it's like yeah like they do sincerely believe it and so i just don't it kind of makes them out to just it it's uh it just doesn't it's like just like three degrees off where it doesn't, it's not, it is a funny show. I want to keep watching it, but it's not a commentary on what I hoped it would be a commentary on. Maybe so it, that's maybe, okay. Maybe I, they'll realize that and come back with a second yeah, season. Yeah, or they'll just, they'll just buy my book. We'll be fine. They'll, just, they'll make my book into a show. Wouldn't it be, fu- yeah, wouldn't it be <laughs> funny if like you were watching the new season and like they had totally taken like the whole plot line? Like there's like a. That's my biggest fear. My biggest fear is I start submitting this book around. You, know, you have to like send it off to mm-hmm. agents and stuff. Nothing, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks, and then seeing some version of it, like uh, the plot line's been yeah. lifted. Yeah, yeah, that would that would suck. Because what would I ever do? Okay, well, um, so the guy that I bought that bandana from right there, his name's Todd Snyder. Bandana. You ever you ever heard of him? Mm-mm. 
Well, okay, so he's from uh, Nashville area. He's like a singer. He just played with Widespread Panic at the Ryman. Um, set in with him for a couple of songs. Wow, y'all were there at the Ryman for that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw y'all there. Ryman there. is the best. That's the first time I've ever been. It's the best. Uh, and two, everybody was fine. We were in this uh, group called Pain Extreme, and everybody was like, no talking during the show. Everybody's mm-hmm. being too rowdy. Yes. And then, like, during between yes. songs, everybody was like uh-huh. stomping their feet and just shaking this the is place. A side. So, make a mental bookmark of where we are. But what what is with people talking at concerts? Some people have a serious problem with that. I, it is baffling. Like between between songs or just All, the whole time, just full conversation, it's just full voice conversation through the whole set. Uh, yeah, that, that would bother that, me. That's I've never been around somebody like that. I don't know. Like the last three concerts, I've experienced that. I'm like, apparently the Chevelle show was like that. The other why night. did we pay money? Like you paid money to come in here. You're buying twelve dollar drinks. Maybe that's the reason. Why are you? <laughs> yeah, I don't panic know. broke the. Uh, Liquor sales for the Ryman. Really? On that that's three funny. day run. Yeah, that's funny. I could see that. It's weird because like I don't get that. Like I don't I don't drink very much at all. Like mm-hmm. I, not to get drunk or, or like I don't even I don't buy alcohol. I just kinda like I haven't drank hardly at all in the last like eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was I was kinda like casually drinking there for a while. It's mm-hmm. like have some beer in the fridge. But like honestly, the reason I stopped drinking is because I started noticing it was making me kind of aggressive. I don't know if that's real. Because it makes you feel terrible. That too, I felt like shit. Yes. It could yes. drink two beers and I would feel like shit. The uh, next yeah, day. you do. Yeah, I know. There, uh, I heard a podcast recently about how the, um, like you have to defend yourself for not drinking. Yeah, it's a. It's very strange. It is weird. I just like I just kind of concluded like I didn't drink for a long time, and then mm-hmm. from like twenty five to thirty, mm-hmm. I drank a little bit, and now I'm just like oh, it makes me feel like shit. Like yeah. one time, I drank like three beers and a shot of Patron. I hadn't had lunch. I got sick and threw up. Like, wh- what the hell? Right. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so that was all a loop around what you were saying about. Mm. We need a, a producer, yeah. a young Jamie, mm-hmm. to keep us on track. Um, well, uh, we were talking about Danny McBride. You saw them at the... Oh, the, uh, we're talk- people talking at concerts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panic at the Ryman, set the li- liquor sales record. I don't remember what got us... Uh, oh, Todd Snyder. Okay. Garth Brooks stole one of his songs. Yeah. I, Have you I, heard this story? I think you told me this story last... Yeah. Yeah, or at uh, some point you've told me this story... Uh, or like, didn't Garth? Well, maybe maybe Garth Brooks who did it, but Garth Brooks got it from the guy that stole it from Todd Snyder. Right. Which was if tomorrow if, never. That's a great comes. song. Yeah. Well, apparently he wrote it, and it was coming out on an album, yeah. and he tells his story at a lot of his shows. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and then my my publicist called me, and and he said, hey, you know that song if tomorrow never comes? He's like, well, you know, um, you know Garth Brooks. Well, well he wrote it too. He wrote it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, and he goes and talks to him about it, and they're like, "Well, not entirely." Yeah, there's a certain amount of this and that, and lyrics and this, uh-huh. and that you can take without it being entirely yeah. stolen. Well, now they like now they're suing people for like half a measure. Okay, check this out. Uh, which I want to we can funnel like into six notes. Let's get funnel into this. People, I got flagged on the podcast channel. 
And they said yeah. not to do anything about it mm-hmm. for putting, like, we didn't listen to Fear Inoculum on the, like, the audience couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. But uh, John Warren and I sat down and we just listened to the whole album. The way I had this set up is if it's on, if it's playing on the TV, it comes into our headphones, but it doesn't record. Got it. So I don't ever have any copyright issues. I set up that Smart. way intentionally. Yeah. I don't do any screen capture, so no issue mm-hmm. there. But like, so we had no um, graphics. All we had was, I guess algorithm picked it up, the title, which inoculum is a flagged word in Word. It's like okay. doesn't recognize as a real word or whatever. Um, but so I t- fear inoculum album review. And they're like, this has been flagged for copyrighted content. So just by default, they assume that you play Yes, it. and they're like, we're telling you because like you can dispute it if you want. You will never make money off this video. Is basically what they were saying. They're like, because um, because this company that owns this, this they're one. gonna make the ads off your video. If anybody's watching your video, okay. we're gonna serve them these ads. So they're basically saying, hey, because your channel's not monetized yet, like right. I'll have to hit his subscribers. But they're like, even when it does become monetized, don't try and monetize this video wow. because somebody else is getting they the won't, money. They off won't ever quit. Yeah, that is. That's wild. And and what's wild is there's no infringement. There's no... Uh, yeah, that, that's the hard thing about our legal system is you, the, like, you would have to go through so much effort in the court system to prove there's no infringement. I mean, to, they're going to have to watch the whole two-hour yeah, thing. Well, just getting all the court fine, then and, they would just we appeal get your it. Day and, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's like they know you're not going to bother to do that. That so well, that what, just, the, the email was there, like, in. unless you're absolutely positive that we have made an error, do not contact us. Like that was like the last. No, they're thing. not even gonna. Yeah, but they're not even gonna read an email you send yeah. them. Um. So, man, this brings like to important uh, thing I wanted to hit on. Like, it is uh, very difficult uh, in this time and place. Some things I see happening are this, like, uh, are old articles being shared of, like, such and such died, but it's like, dude, that happened 2017. Yes. Okay, so it's like right. people aren't checking dates people on articles. Don't. I know. They aren't checking facts on articles. They it's just like, want the hysteria. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I know. Well, I, so we had like, a, a conversation oh. about the, the, the imagine thing, right? So, like, I was consuming that from the perspective of – this band wrote a song about it. So then, like, okay, so whether Clear Channel or whoever backpedaled on it, we can talk about the whole story, but it's like, did the the, the real question that got begged to me when we were chatting about it on Facebook is like, did the band consume fake news and then go write a song about it? Who's What is this name? Okay, so remember when we were chatting online and uh, maybe six months ago, and I was like... I, I shared this list, and I was like, "Clear Channel, um, this yes. they they banned okay. all these songs yes. and yes, yes, yes. the Drive By Truckers." Who's okay? I forgot all about that. Yes, 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 yes. And you're like, "Dude, we should talk about that on the podcast." Yeah, and we're talking about all this digital okay. stuff anyway. Yeah, but so either the band was influenced enough to go write a song by receiving misinformation, uh huh, or clear channels big enough that they were able to backpedal their story. I mean, they changed their whole name and brand to heart radio and have Ryan Seacrest in yeah. Arkansas telling us about stuff that happens here. So could they control and manipulate a narrative? I think that, I think there was an incident 
the point I was trying to make is I think there was a list that came out in the aftermath just to be like, but I I felt like the article written about the incident was incendiary. Was it the Wikipedia article? I don't think it was a Wikipedia there, article. So there's, there's a Wikipedia article, and it kind of just basic overview says, mm-hmm. uh, look, uh, there was a, a list that came out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like what you, the point I think you were making is, because like I was citing the lyrics of the song, which is called, once they banned Imagine, banned. So like you kind of cued in on that word, and the yeah. way the article reads, it's like, it's not an actual band. It's more like a, we're it's not like, hey, we don't know everything is happening for a couple of days. Don't play these songs. And then, then we'll let you know when we're back to normal. What do you think about that, though? Is that not uh, censorship? Just in general yeah, censorship? I mean, I do think it's wise to be sensitive to certain situations. And especially in that's, like a mass death. That's a hard thing. You know, that's, our, that's one of our biggest things as parents right now is just like, hey, read the moment. You know what I mean? You're a funny person. Sometimes the moment doesn't, is not helped by being funny. You know what I mean? My, my daughter's very clever. She's very quick. She's kind of like uh, culturally, pop culturally. Uh, we've kind of ruined her because she's like aware of all these pop culture references. Maybe she only speaks to people in obscure cultural references. <laughs> yeah, of like that thirty-five-year-olds get. <laughs> um, and so, but it's like, hey, sometimes we're running late for school. I can't find your little brother's lunchbox. Um, he also doesn't have any clean clothes. It's just don't try a joke right now. Like, it's a tense situation. You know, like that morning, get ready for school. There's like a there's like an eight-minute span there where, like, nothing can go wrong sometimes, and then five things go wrong. Let's not do any jokes in that time. So it's like that is, I think, a mark of a mature person of being able to, like, read the moment, being able to, like, be sensitive to certain things. You know, and I'll, like, I will joke about things with my friends privately that I may not make publicly because I, it's like, we're just trying to laugh. For sure. Because we're a hundred miles away from a situation. Well, like, uh, so for example, someone in the situation that might be too fresh for them to find humor in that. I don't even really want to say this because we're so close to nine 11 because that was all come out. But it's like, it's almost like, it's almost like this. Oh man, my grandma died. Uh, on this day, I just realized that. Wow, two thousand one. Yeah, that would be my uh, my dad's mom passed away. Would it be seven? What is it? How how many years has it been since nine eleven? Eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Is that right? I think so. Oh one to yeah twenty nineteen. Um, but okay, so like this, people who want to grapple with the topic of nine eleven was an inside job. Let's talk about Tower 7. But here's the thing. Here's the issue with that. Whether it was or not, it does not change the people that died that day. Yes. That's what you cannot change. Right. And when you talk about it like that, it's just like the yes. Sandy Hook stuff. It's, you're, you're discrediting, like, those people really died. Whether yes. or not the planes had people on them or if they were drones or whatever you want to go down, there's a whole bunch of people that lost their families or lost their lives right. in the towers collapsing. Yeah. 
whoever the terrorists were, a lot of people died. And it's and people miss that. And I think it's all rubbish. But like I said, you think 9/11's rubbish? No, no, no. Okay. No. Tower 7? <laughs> no. Uh like I said, they're grown adults. They can believe whatever they want to believe. But I do think it's irresponsible to be insensitive about something. Okay, uh, so so would you say the United States is a Christian nation? I would not. I would not say that. Most of the songs on that list were banned in a direct relation to Christianity. That was my big issue. Every ACDC song that had the word hell in it. Anything that was subversive to government in any shape, form, fashion, all Rage Against the Machine. Uh, like, the dude went to Harvard. We can't listen to what he has to say. Right. He's an Ivy League educated man. Yeah. I'm joking around about a lot. But that was my thing is, like, I thought there was too close of a connection to uh, religious overtones of... It's almost like it was getting turned into that because we had a conservative president... At yeah. the time, and he was one, and we did go to war with Iraq very shortly thereafter. Yeah, I just thought I don't think Clear Channel was it Clear Channel or it, uh, it was they were called Clear Channel at the time. They became iHeart Media or okay. iHeart Radio. I don't think Clear Channel did anything based off any conviction. Do you think it was sent down by the government? No. Next question. No, I don't think. Okay, we, okay, okay. Do you are you familiar with the dozen times we have done that? Since World War II? No. Okay. I would urge you to look into, like, people always want to get, oh, you're false flags. Like, there have been seven false flags confirmed since World War II. False what? False flags. Like, people want to say Sandy Hook is a false flag. I don't say it's a false flag. Right? But there there have been false flag events, like uh, the Bay of Pigs invasion. That's a false flag. Okay. That's that's the that's the CIA getting involved and in trying to topple a government, and it blew up in our face. Right, but it, we, we've made it illegal during uh, the, except that that all came out like immediately. Which part? Oh, the the list. No, about it about it all blowing up, right? Which which the Bay what? of Pigs? Um, uh, no, uh, Gulf of Tonkin resolution that didn't come out till years later, right? Um, so like. Not to get into false flags, but what I'm saying is, like, we made it illegal to talk bad about your shirt if you're in the military since World War II. You know, like... This shirt I got, specifically or military That's a great-looking shirt. shirt. It's military uniform. Okay. okay. Polka okay. dots, man. Like, yeah. I, I, you have a great fashion sense, <laughs> okay? Like, the shoes really bring it together. But I'm, I'm working... Like, I've had graduate course, first and second Red Scare, so, like... I have seen the history of mm-hmm. our nation's hysteria in the post-World War II era. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm operating on when it comes to my narrative of, you ever heard of Dalton Trumbo? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he was a communist, so he never gets to work again. But he wasn't a communist. They just said he was. Right. You know, and, yeah. but he's a, like, that's a, they made a movie about Brian Cranston's in and I'm not going to go, I, I, I couldn't even tell you all the facts of Dalton Trumbo right now, but in the second Red Scare, like when we, when we were paranoid about Korea, Vietnam, China, and the Soviet Union being communist, mm-hmm. that made it over to here with McCarthyism and all that. 
And that's when it became illegal to say and do all these things. And if you were ever at a meeting where they were talking about communism and they could take you to court and say that and you're done. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm worried about those types of things happening again. So I believe all the things you're saying, I just going to try, I haven't, I don't, I'm verified every one of them. Well, and I I can't, I'm going to be skinny on facts because I haven't, I don't have notes in front of me or anything like that. Just uh, believing everything you say, what I'm saying is those things exist and then articles like this one come along and like, and like uh, manipulate that or they like, overextend that or I, I can't quite think of the right metaphor to use, but they they take advantage of the oversensitivity to that because of these past events. You know what I'm saying? And so instead of people looking at the actual facts of what happened, they write a attention grabbing headline. They bring out certain facts of this they, or they emphasize scant sources likely they, they emphasize certain facts about this particular situation and pile it on as evidence for some other like real stuff that actually happened and uh, like it's like an internal email right for a, like a young media company that doesn't probably have a lot of margin for error they feel they just want to be extra, play it safe for a couple days. And then, like, that becomes evidence of some, like a, something else that might actually be a problem. But it just muddies the water. Yeah, I mean, you see, really... You see what I'm saying? Yeah, because honestly, um, whether or not the... I can't tell you, like, I wasn't aware of the list coming out if, or, or anything when it happened. It's only after the fact. So it, it, you could almost say, like, what, I, what you might be saying is, in this hysterical time, because it's hysterical right, right. Now, that that article might have been going around and it's been repurposed as a larger narrative by the disband or, or whatever, because it's, it's an after-the-fact type thing. It's not like nobody even really jumped on it then, probably mm-hmm. because of the sensitivities to the tragedy of 9-11 and all that. But it's here we're experiencing it, because... That album that that band wrote, like, no qualms about it, was a Donald Trump protest album. And a lot of their fans didn't like it. I just started listening to this band like the last three or four years. Watch Red Panic bought him their first tour bus. The front man's uh, dad, you ever heard of, you ever seen that documentary Muscle Shoals? Mm, no. About the, the Swampers the and the no. Almond Brother played in there. Uh, Aretha, uh, was it Aretha Franklin? Anyway, Muscle Shoals Sound, it's a studio. Okay. And um, that's where those guys come out of. Like that dude's dad, Secession bassist, Panic recorded albums there. They recorded albums there. Mm-hmm. But they, it was 2017, wrote this protest album. That's when they wrote this song. Once they banned Imagine, it, was the, it became the war from when we were kids. That was the turn on the phrase. And, like, so what I interpreted that as is exactly what I was, like, saying to you. It's like the war when we were kids was were when Patterson Hood yeah. was a kid is is the second Red Scare and Vietnam mm-hmm. and um, Contras and stuff like that. But, it, I, like, Ronald Reagan, like, I've only become aware that I do, I used to like that dude as president until I found out tons of stuff about him. Now I think he's not a good president. 
Yeah, and it's hard because I think it's like it's complicated. And when it, it's, I think, it takes I think time to sort out, like ev- everything is nuanced and complicated, but it's hard to write a Facebook post that gives um, attention to all sides of the issue. Like Facebook posts, you just want the conclusions. Like Twitter, a tweet is like just the conclusions. And so it's hard to factor in all the gray area. And it, and if you do try to do that, no one cares. No one shares it. No one likes it. No one takes the time to read it. So what should we do? Like what you're saying, like, should I? Because I will say, like, very mm-hmm. real stuff with me, like, back on something you said earlier, like, I feel this, like, really weird, uh, overwhelming inside me drive to create shit. Yeah. Like, and that need gets satiated in some weird way, and I don't even know why, mm-hmm. because I felt... Um, self-conscious about it in the past but like when I if I'm putting it on YouTube it's almost it, it, it's like okay I've created it and I let go with it and it's mm-hmm. there on the shelf and it, it's good and I might revisit it and redo it or something but it, it's almost like the need gets satiated when I do that yeah but it's weird like I feel a need to do it's almost like I tell people it's like a disease for me like I have to do it I I understand that, and I understand the need to. Uh, I definitely understand the need to create content. You know, that's what I I explain my writing addiction to my wife. Well, and you described it as art earlier. Yeah, so, I mean, is it is it just art for you? Yeah, definitely. But I do feel compelled not just to create it, but to create something that people will understand. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just make it and then throw it out into the ocean and feel good that I made it. Like, I want to know that people connect with it and that people understand what I'm trying to say. And I even I even understand, you know, I keep talking about online arguments and st- or online extremism, but I I often feel compelled to jump in like I did on that post and say, Hey, actually that's not quite right. Yeah. Even me, though, me like, too. I do. I feel the same way. I wonder what makes yeah. us feel and that like, way. I don't even know like why, I don't know what good comes from that yeah. very often, Yeah. you know? And I've been trying to, in the last few months, trying to figure out ways to interject that aren't so aggressive and find ways to interject that aren't so like um, divisive. And whenever I try to do it that way, whenever I try to participate in a conversation in a more diplomatic way, it's like nothing. It's like it just that's when I feel like I it just goes off into the universe and disappears because it's like no one no one every then it's like the reverse happens where instead of instead of the people that I agree hearing what we believe and rah, rah, yeah, yeah, get them, get them. Then the people that I don't agree with, because the words I've used are so diplomatic, they're able to hear what they believe. And it doesn't, like, they don't, they're able to kind of, like, interpret that as, yeah, I'm right. Or it's like, yeah, he's saying, you know what I mean? So. Well, just like we were talking about earlier with the tonality of things, 
that probably happens more when you're reading it than when you're hearing it. Yes. And they and then in person and face to face, you have the ability to like for immediate clarification. And you can kind of tell, oh, they didn't hear me right. Let me say, you know, based on their immediate response, you can then clarify what you meant. Um, and online, it's just kind of like you're both throwing water balloons at a different wall. And it's like, well, it's a red balloon. No, it's a blue balloon. It's like, well, I can just keep throwing red paint on the wall indefinitely until you get tired were you going with red and blue for Democrat and Republican? No, I should have done different colors. You should have gone with, was it the elephant and the donkey? What are their yeah. mascots? Why are those their mascots? I should know. There is a life. history for that. I um, I, I just found out the, the, which I knew this, I just re-remembered it or re-came up with, like the join or die poster when we came up with that. Oh, I don't know With that. the snake. Uh, it was actually in the French and Indian War. Join or die. Yeah. That's uh, what it feels like. That that's what That's what the internet feels like. It's like join. It's like you either join us or you don't exist. Have you, are you a Tool fan? Maynard is dealing with a lot of these uh, Mm -hmm. topics in the last A Perfect Circle album and in this Tool album. I guess I need to listen to it. The, the, The musical style doesn't speak to me. Yeah, I've been, we've been saying they just got on digital, so we've been playing them in the gym, mm-hmm. like nonstop. Yeah. And I got, I have just created this playlist with this like r- tool, Rage Against the Machine, like stuff like that. Like, yeah. Kind of same genre, but like some tool will be coming on. I'll look over at the guys. I'm like, this is way too aggressive and masculine, guys. Mm-hmm. Good thing the singer's wearing a bra and a blonde wig yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I guess I need to just read the lyrics. You know, that's what got me into him. Uh, uh, do you know who Jeremy Barlow is? No. He was just on the podcast a couple of days ago, grew up together. Uh, and I was talking to him. I was like, dude, when I was like just getting into high school, like I even had the 10 days, 1,000 days album, but I never got to like the depth of it till I was like, even till like probably the last five yeah. years. A lot of stuff is that way when you're a kid. You though. re-listen to it as an adult. There's no yeah. way I could have yeah. got that in high school. Or movies, but, when you rewatch movies. Yeah. Mm. But when I was just started taking some philosophy, I saw uh, Jeremy post these tool lyrics up on Facebook, and I was just like, I read them, and I was like, oh, my gosh. What is he talking about? Yeah. I mean, and you read the lyrics like everybody's heard 46 and 2, but if you read into the if you read the lyrics and read into the inspiration of the song, you're like, oh man, mm-hmm. like it's like a like an intro to psychology class. Yeah. Well, I, I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to uh, be uh, guided through tool, but I, I just yeah. It's um, I would say right now, if I was just gonna get into tool, I would not get into tool just. Just because it's so cool to be into Tool right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like they have never, uh, I can't ever remember in my yeah. life them having so much. They're number one, like the top right. ten on all of the yeah. charts. Yeah, it's definitely like mainstream, seems like. Yeah, it's t- like Dungeons t- t- and Dragons. T-Swift out. I started playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's Recently? Like, yeah. Uh, do you play about with, a the, year. with a group up here, Clarksville? Yeah, in Clarksville, yeah. Our Dungeon Masters from Ozark. Cool. Um, but it's so fun. I've played a few it games myself. So Chris Hausnick, uh, he's one of my purple belts, political scientist guy I mentioned earlier. Okay. Huge into D&D. Very Huge. nice. Huge. I got a few students that are. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Where do you play at? 
Uh, usually at my house. Okay, cool, cool. We have a great big kitchen table, about this size, a little bigger. And um, I'm just kind of selfish that way. I just like, I like making my own nachos in my own oven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you said uh, you have a dungeon master. It's not, you're not the dungeon master? No, no, I'm a, I'm a level five dragonborn wizard named LeBronze. I was a gnomish bard. Okay. In my last game, I rolled up, so it was it was a good time. Very nice. It's been a been a minute. I played, but it's like mainstream now. It's like so cool. Yeah, yeah. Ever, yeah. It's not. It's not like. Well, I mm-hmm. wonder how much of that has to do with like Stranger Things. I think that was a big boost for it. Yeah. Um, but I think it was on the upswing before that, and that really propelled it. I didn't get exposed to it till after high school. I had a cousin. When I was a kid, that would like him and his, they were, he's probably 10 years older than me, and they would play it. And I, I thought it was neat. I didn't understand what they were doing. Yeah, that so was I the never, same thing with me. I never really had the aversion to it because of that, because I had seen it. I just had never had a chance to play. Do you know uh, Scott Sexton? Yeah. Whatever, what happened to that guy? I hadn't seen that dude he forever. He teaches, um, He's he teaches. He's music. still teaching band, music, music. choir, uh, like elementary school music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've played a little bit with with Scott too. Okay, a couple of times. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have to message him. Yeah, I was just it got me got me thinking about him because I mean he mm-hmm. is he is super into or at least he that. was. Uh, he got married around the same time that we were oh, okay. hanging out and playing. This had been ah uh, more than ten years ago. Mm. Well, uh, probably more like. 13, 14. Isn't it weird to talk in like time yes. increments longer than 10 years? Yes. Yeah. Mm. I definitely, you know, I keep talking about my daughter moving into this next phase of her life where she's not really a little kid anymore. And really, like, I'm the one moving into a new... Are you you're preparing to not be the dad that makes her not have a partner? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm moving into a new phase of, like, not like a young adult or not like a... Like, I get called sir so much now, all the time. I get called Mr. Wilson. Mr. Well, I was at, I was at uh, my younger kid, five-year-old, was at a birthday party for him, and all the kids were calling me Mr. Wilson. And I was just like, hey, uh, Josh is fine. I go, I go like three steps further. Even though I'm like, I, m- I make my kids say that to other people. I'm like, call me bro. Bro. <laughs> like, uh, uh, what's funny is like, they'll call, like, like uh, I have to tell them on the first day, like, school wants them to call me Mr. Wilson. It's in yeah. the syllabus. But I'm like, I had the first day, I was kind of like, oh, that's weird, you know, to get mm-hmm. called Mr. Wilson. I made a Dennis the Menace joke, you know, like Walter Matthau. Yeah. They Great didn't movie. get it. Great. No, they've never heard of that movie. Made a Mrs. Doubtfire joke one time. Nope. Didn't get it. And then I started making jokes about House of Pain and those goats eating Sally Field's begonias, mm-hmm. and they really didn't get those jokes. It's wild how fast, like, I just feel like I'm so out of touch with everything. You know, like, I Love Lucy. Core and I rewatched a bunch of those episodes recently. It's a great show. But when I was a kid, I watched that on like TV Land. Yeah, and I thought it was like so old. It was like so ancient. But like, Keenan and Kel is that old now? Orange soda. Kel loves orange. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like that's a reference I would expect everyone in the room to understand. 
Well, but if I'm the oldest person in the room, most people younger, like college age kids, do not understand that reference. And or the <laughs> yeah that Ricky and, Ricardo laugh. And if you showed them a laugh, if you showed them a YouTube of it, if you showed them a video of it, they would perceive that as being as old as I perceive I love Lucy. I don't remember the stat, but somebody was breaking down to me like the distance of time between like the height of the old kingdom in Egypt to Cleopatra being longer than Cleopatra to now. What? What? Okay, so you know when Cleopatra lived in Egypt? Okay. Uh, like, r- right as the Roman Empire is coming to rise. Okay. Like, so, um, the beginning of the Old Kingdom in Egypt. Okay. That is like 3500 BC. From there to Cleopatra is a longer amount of time than it is from Cleopatra to right now. Really? Yes. Now, there's some theories about the Egypt. Let's go down that rabbit hole. I'm a, I'm I don't a, know. I, mean, I love Egypt. What do you? What do you? What I don't know. They? I just know there's some like there's some people think that they like knew how to cure cancer. And, they had over like, 500 drugs at the Memphis School of Medicine. All these things um, that was all lost. Uh, yeah, when, when the, the society, library at Alexandria yeah, library burned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we. The secret for mummification probably lost. We know Herodotus, the Greek historian, told us a fair amount um, about some of the processes, but they mm-hmm. we don't know. There's so much. I like how they build the pyramids. We don't know. Mm-hmm. What were they used for? You think they were tombs? They Zero conclusive evidence to prove that they were tombs. All the pharaohs were bur- buried in the Valley of the Kings. Hmm. There are no hieroglyphics in the tombs uh, or in the uh, pyramids. There are hieroglyphics in tombs. Hmm. Yeah. So I knew that I, uh, obviously you know more about it than I do. I just knew that that was like a thing. Yeah. The, uh, Egypt blows my mind. Uh, like this, the one thing that you brought up, there's like 13 of those things in my mind where you're just like, Joe Rogan's just talking about on his podcast. He's like, how do they do their engineering? Mm-hmm. He just went on a big rant just about engineering. And I was just like, oh, dude, there's 13 theories that I know about of what the pyramids could have been used for. What are some of them? Ancient power plant. Okay. Um, Temples, uh, or not temples per se, but uh, some sort of a symbolic passage of life and death. There's one theory out there that that sounds interesting. I don't know. There's some evidence that that points to, one of them may have been like shiny, like reflective, like limestone was polished. Okay. One of them may have been uh, red, and one of them may have been black to symbolize birth, death, and life. Yeah, so like if uh, 500 years from now, when whatever happens, society as we know it dissolves, you're coming through this continent, you come to the St. Louis Arch, what would you think that was? If you didn't know what it was, like what, uh, how many things could you make up? You know what I mean? And it's really, it's not anything really. It's like the gateway to the West, but it doesn't, it doesn't have a function. Yeah, that is interesting. Like the the Sphinx, same thing. mm -hmm. It's like, what was this used for? Why is it here? Does it have anything to do with the pyramids behind it? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the constellations in it, but the, 
there's big disagreements on when all that stuff, like imagine yeah. this, like, okay, we think they built the, the arch at 300 A.D., but it was really built in like two, you know. Right. So how old is it? Yeah. Yeah. So the pyramids, they, can, they, they can narrow it down to like 500 years. The geologists don't agree with the uh, Egyptological community on the dating of any of the rocks. Huh. That's what another thing blew my mind. Um, most geologists date the Sphinx at being older than 10,000 years old. So why? Why? That baffles me. Uh, because we don't have anything. We don't have a record beyond There's the Egyptian. Like a plaque. Beyond the Egyptian old kingdom. Yeah. There's no historical record that we definitively can say, we know mm-hmm. the king's list from there. The yeah. speculation is that the pharaohs that have been attributed to building the three biggest pyramids at Giza actually just did repairs to them. Okay. I'm not saying I come down on that. Yeah. The pyramid, they, it's, uh, it's so much speculation. We don't know. Right. I wish we did. It'd be, uh, but then we could never have these conversations. That is true. See, that's like, that's like my theory with college football. The people that run college football know that it's a disaster. You watch all the college football? No, I gave up several years ago. Yeah, um, the system makes no sense, right? You have like the hundredth best team in the country playing the tenth best team in the country. Yeah, there's there's no like uh you, right. are you saying there should be like some every team seeding from year to year or Yeah, so like yeah, there's a lot of ways you could fix it. Like like the Patriots beat the Dolphins on Sunday like 60 points. That's the worst team in the NFL, but it's only the 30th team. Okay. So in college football, you have like Alabama playing like the 90th team. Mm-hmm. Like think of how big that gap is and then those two teams are supposedly in the same conference, con- not conference, but like class. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are both division one football teams that, that makes no sense. The people that run college football know that it makes no sense. They know that it's not competitive. They know that it's not rational, but it, all the space create it makes people talk about it. It forces people to talk about it. It forces people to say because there's no like defined winner, you know, because all the teams that play each other at the end of the year don't play each other during the season, and then they just kind of like choose who gets to play each other at the end. That creates so much conversation. If it was like definite, everyone would be like, "Oh well, yeah, they won the they won their conference, so they get to go to the playoffs." Yeah. But since it's all speculation, it just creates interest because it's flawed. There's a lot of stuff like that, for sure. Um, yeah, man. Because, like we said, hysteria uh, creates attention. Well, like the rule, that, like the rule set in jujitsu or um, uh, athletic commissions. In different states yes. for the MMA, right. they don't agree. Right. And I don't really keep up with MMA, obviously, like you do. I think it's interesting. For the same, for the reasons you're talking about in my sports, mm-hmm. I've stopped keeping up with it. You well, know? the only time I hear about it is when something crazy happens, when there's some kind of scandal, when there's some kind of um, disqualification or um, failed drug tests or whatever. I'm, Some guy's I, moving to the Raiders, I, but he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, 
Yes. So like I, I'm trying to make up things that I think happen in MMA, but might be confusing with boxing in general. Uh, anyway, like that creates attention. You know what I mean? It does. Like I don't know enough about it to watch a fight and understand like the nuance of the of who's fighting better or whatever. But whenever someone's like, "Oh, can you believe this guy had a uh, had some such and such move?" Uh, yeah, or well, even that, I'm like, "Okay, I still don't understand that." But if it's like, "Well, this guy was um, cutting weight illegally," oh yeah, yeah, you know, or whatever performance enhancing drugs, this, those yeah. Of things, yeah. Then I'm like, "Oh, that's what? What? Oh, I got this is a problem what? in the what? sport." What? Yeah, and so like that's just the way the internet works. That's the that's the only information that spreads is that. Stuff to argue about. Yes. Yeah. And that, Do you think that a lot of this is precedent? Like it got going that way? What What do you mean? Maybe the internet just became an outlet for angst. Yeah, I think it existed. The problem with the internet is it's like hyperdrive. Because like there was competing newspapers in the Civil War that were complete party line, complete just mouthpieces for their leaders, whatever. But the fastest you could put out a newspaper was twice a day. The app, maybe most of the time once a day. You know what I mean? The problem with the internet is you can put out a thousand articles an hour. You can, you can spread it out. You know what I mean? And so it's like taking all of those natural human Whoa. things because it does make sense for humans to be in tribes. It does make sense to like want to be around people that see the world the way you see the world. But the internet has taken all that and just like infused it with steroids and microwave and instant, like, it's, would you think this like, ter- like, would and you it's like limitless uh, compare this to like maybe territorialism? You know, like, yeah. okay. So like the difference between humans and animals is like human beings, uh, will sail across from Japan to China and rape 37,000 people. Animals they, they don't the mostly, plan. Mostly just keep to themselves. Yeah, but 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 if you get in their area around yeah. their babies, they might kill you. You yeah. know, but it's not like we're gonna plan to go over there and yeah. and rape these people so we can get more Japanese, you know, mm-hmm. uh, genetics over there. Whatever, like animals don't. But territorialism is the definitive uh, the definitive thing where we look at like. Human beings commit atrocities. Animals are territorial. Human beings are also territorial, but they commit atrocities. Mm. And animals don't commit atrocities. Yeah. Um, I I do think it is natural for humans to, like, clump up into bunches. That's what got me thinking about it, because you've, you've mentioned, like, the tribe mentality yeah. of, like, that's – or groups, like, different uh, mm. identity groups, and it's got me thinking about that. Yeah. And I just think we haven't learned yet how to do it when we have unlimited access to every other person on the planet. How much stuff in, have you learned in, off of YouTube this indefinitely. year? Indefinitely. It's just like great. You, so much stuff off of YouTube. I mean, I, I know people learn how to blacksmith. Like, I started learning guitar scales. Yeah. Like, I've never been good at playing lead guitar. People and, ask me how to, I was like, hey, can you teach me drums? I'm like, yeah, get on YouTube. The, the 70, there's been a 72 year old guy coming to my gym. He's an orthopedic surgeon in Clarksville. Yeah. He's a martial arts master, uh-huh. like all capital letters. 
And he'll be teaching me something. He's Mr. Miyagi's me on the daily. He comes to my class with a white belt. And he's just like, oh, you just go look this up on YouTube, Brian. Mm-hmm. 72-year-old dude telling me this little, little old Asian man. Yeah. And he's like, it's all on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Here, let me send you the link. And I'm just like. Yeah, and why? I don't even know why. Some of these things, I don't know why these people bothered to put it online. But they Maybe do. for the reason we are talking about earlier. This is they the just have need. a need to create and share. Yeah. I, I believe that 100%. And I just I think it's like kind of like the Wild West. It's it's like a new frontier kind of. And like people our age and older who grew up their whole lives talking to people a certain way, expecting certain things, people in a certain way, uh, reacting to things, reacting to crisis in a certain way, haven't really figured out how to do it in this new arena. You know, because I think... Like, I'm confused by Instagram and Instagram stories, but um, it's, like, natural to my daughter. Isn't that weird? Like, uh, there's she, a, like most college students uh-huh. are not on Facebook. Right. Like, that's actually, like, we kill it on Facebook so hard, but it's, mm-hmm. like, that's because the parents of the yes, kids, like, your age thing. are on Facebook. And yeah. so I'm just, like, what about when these teenagers get to having kids and they're on Instagram still? Or Yeah. And I'm not in touch with that. Yeah. Yeah, and then then Facebook will be like the local news. It's like, well, Grandpa Josh, he's got to watch his Facebook every day. Can't miss the local news. It'd be like MySpace. Watches Wheel of Fortune and then and then checks his Facebook. Oh man, like my grandparents had the uh, like the old like huge TV, like the big boxy one. Like yep, and it would have the, the like the static on top. The static going across mm-hmm. it, and they just pick up like CBS and Hartman, yeah. Arkansas, and watching yeah. Wheel of Fortune and yeah. the college football game. Yep. Yeah, and so like that was as much content as they could consume. And and now we have ability. That's an overload. That that it's like not more, not because they didn't want more or wouldn't watch more if they had it. That's literally all they had. So they had like a natural governor on the amount of content they could consume. But now it's like unlimited. I can watch four screens at once all day Dude, long. I, have, I got two monitors about to go up a third yep. one in my office. Yeah. And I'm really sad that I haven't got that third because one. Because it is that. great. Like there, you, there's a huge benefit to it. And I just think uh, like as young people that have never known anything different, when they as they start to get older and disperse into the natural world um, on their own, it'll like it'll make more sense to them why Russia hacking the election is a big deal. Because they actually know what that means. Like, my grandma doesn't under... She has no concept of what that means. Russia hacked the election. How? Did they go to every voting booth? Did they... You know what I mean? Like, did they go to every city council meeting and, and spread wrong information? That No. How could anyone ever do that? No, they didn't have to do that. Like, she doesn't understand what that means, but, like, a 15-year-old... Knows about who, Twitter troll farms. Who's put... Yeah, who's put somebody on blast on Twitter for standing in front of their locker all day. Like, they understand how how do you make a campaign? How do you spread bad information against someone online? They know what that means. So when someone says, yeah, we know that, um, you know, you really like your candidate, but there's these people from Russia that are spreading bad information about them. They'll say, whoa, 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 we can't allow that. I understand what that means, and we have to shut that down. 
because I have access to the, all of the world's history and I understand how amazing democracy is and I don't want to waste it. So we need to shut that down. But like now the people that are in the room that should be concerned about it, they're like, uh, that sounds bad. Do you think do you think democracy is still working like tops for us? Working what? Tops. Like I very don't well. think it's function I think it's still running. I think it's uh I think it's back down in first gear. Yeah, I kind of joke around like it's sputtering. Uh but I think it's still running. I th- I I do think it will recover. I hope so. We based both of our systems of government off of two previously failed systems of government. Yeah. And and wanted it to be different. And I like the idea of blending ideas, but mm-hmm. like, what if that only gets us the same amount of time as well, it got the Greeks and the Romans together? Yeah, and I think that, I think understanding that and understand that it does have to be continuously tweaked and updated and and perfected to suit things that, you know, Thomas Jefferson would never even imagine. The well, that I was talking about the, uh, are you familiar it, with the necessary and proper clause? No. Uh, it's, Oh, in the in the constitution. constitution, the elastic clause is what they call okay. it a lot of times. Basically, like yeah, someday somebody's going to make the internet, so this clause. Okay, but then that that's a lot of gray area. Yeah, the national bank was a big contentious. Yeah, point. and I and I, I agree or I understand that you, you with the idea that you don't want to put everything in the constitution, you don't want to change the constitution every six months to, like that's what laws are for. Yes. You know what I mean? Do you... Um, so it is a thing to balance. It's like, it's like we've been saying. It's, it's nuanced. It's, it's complicated. It is all like what you were saying earlier with uh, you, got some, you got a really wide lane with some rails way over here on the periphery. Yeah. yeah. You might... got to figure it out. Yeah. And, and the, but I think some people want to bring all the parameters in and say only this. This is what this is how I function as an American, and so this is the only thing that I want anyone else to function as as an American. Yeah, all we don't we as Americans don't all have the same shared experience. Right. Uh, I've gotten really into um, trying to understand more about sectionalism, like basically that like you could say more so that there are. Um, sections of the United States where there is a more shared experience amongst the yeah. highest number of people. Yeah, like That's regions, interesting, that yes. Is, yeah, and for, like, on most continents, except for maybe Russia, um, each of those regions would just be its own country. Like, you know, it would be like France and Spain and Italy trying to be one country, you know, and that is an amazing thing that, like, this whole huge thing across... Uh, the center of the continent is one country, but it does create complications because, yeah, if you grew up in New England, you have a different experience of the world than if you grew up in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. And then the problem is the only information you get, you don't get the day-to-day life of someone in California because that's boring. It's not interesting. You only get the hot spots. You only get the hysteria you only get the murder and crime. You only, you know what I mean. You only get the worst and the very best. So you know about the Dodgers, and you know about Magic Johnson, and you think the border crisis is out of control and unmanageable, and causing all sorts of problems. 
Did you listen to the podcast we did on the border crisis? No, but I'd love to. Uh, okay, I'm so podcast it out, man. The okay, well, you might like. I should say that on a podcast. You, th- you have so, switched from listening to providing the I actual know, content. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, writing that book, it, it took over like all my spare time for content consumption. When you um, when you come out with the book, you just come back on. Yeah, man. Talk about the I'd book. Love to do that. I'm trying to get a signed would, copy. And stuff. I would love to have a signed copy to give you. Yeah, it's a long way down the road. Well, yeah, they give us. It's been like a year since we did a podcast, mm-hmm. anyway. So, um, oh, what were you saying right before that? I was I had something I was going to say about. Uh, oh, oh, Billy Reader. Billy Reader. Okay, he's he's a journalism professor. Okay. Um, we did a podcast and great guy, background in philosophy, like built his own cabin. Um, but he's like teaches graduate program journalism students. Mm-hmm. But he was on sabbatical okay. for a whole semester, went down to the border, has a sailboat down in South Texas and was deeply ingrained in what's going on down there and like told a bunch of case studies like I was just like oh yeah we've been doing regime change wars down in South America and and now these people are fleeing our democracy which has failed and now they're trying to come to the United States because we didn't effectively do that he didn't yes that is going on all of the stories he told me are people coming from Africa or Asia because it's easier for them to get out of those countries off those continents into yeah. South America, and then they can manipulate the system right. through work and travel visas mm-hmm. through Mexico to walk to the border. Yeah, and we caught picked up on that and changed the asylum laws and some other things. And, and basically, what he was saying is it, it created a, a dam. Mm-hmm. He's like, what we did, and, and now there's like six a backlog of six hundred thousand cases or something. Yeah. Imagine the amount of judges you would need. Right. I, I hope that's my lawnmower. I was going to say somebody's mowing your yard. Good, man. It needed mowed. I was kind of embarrassed mm-hmm. when you were coming over. I was like, I need a student to mow my yard. My yard has another th- also fallen by the ways. I used to be so proud of my yard. Bro, you don't have the PVC I pipe with the... I, I don't, man. I just like, I got to write this book. I don't have time to keep my <laughs> yard looking nice. Dude, when you explained that to me, I was like, man. That's extra attention to detail. I will say, like, uh, when we move to the gym, I'm going to buy a truck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy my own zero-turn mower. Yeah. I'm probably going to start managing both of the... Uh, Excellent. Man, with a zero-turn, the, the lot at the new gym's big, but yeah, I think I'll be able to knock them both out. It's time. amazing how much faster it goes. Yeah. Well... Dude, let's wrap this up, man. Yeah, well, I don't know what uh, else you got going on today. I got to go to the gym here in the next little bit, mm-hmm. so... Absolutely. Give us This is fun for me. Hope you got some content you can use. For sure, man. We did about an hour and a uh, well, no, two hours. Oh man, that flew by. Wow, it's like I thought it was double, an hour and a half. I was double episode. Yeah, I've done a couple of three, three hours. Um, so let's let's just do another two hours. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, thank you so much for All your right, time, man. sharing your ideas and your I appreciate your it. polka dot shirt with the audience, yes. and uh, and your your haircut. It's a lot of volume. It, I did. I mean, my grandpa, he had a similar <laughs> haircut, and I'm like, how does he do it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. All right, man. Signing off. I'll see we'll you see on you. the internet. Yes, sir.